Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, my guest is Jeremy Fowler, who is the harbor master at Heritage Harbor on the Illinois River. And we heard from lots of members and some of our podcast listeners that they would love to have us have a conversation with Jeremy on this podcast because he's been giving them some great information on the run down the Illinois River all the way to Hoppies. So we figured we'd bring him on and let him give you kind of the basics of that. His normal briefing is a couple of hours long, so we certainly don't have the time for the whole thing, but we'll at least get you the, the basic information to start with. Before we jump into the topic, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Jeremy Fowler, thank you for joining me today on Great Loop Radio. Good morning, Kim. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure, and um, thank you for the, the awesome briefings you've been giving our members there at, who are stopping at Heritage Harbor. Um, start, if you would tell us, for those who haven't gotten there yet, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. So uh, I've, been the, I've been the marina manager here at Heritage Harbor uh, since uh, 2013, and prior to that I was the marina uh, harbor master down at Alton Marina, uh, which is down closer to St. Louis, and I was there for 13 years. Um, so I've been I've been helping loopers around the way for a good long time now. I love seeing loopers come into the dock. Um, here at Heritage Harbor, uh, we have uh, Towboat US is based out of here, and uh, for up and down the river system, and uh, we hand off down by Peoria, so we get lots of experience uh, running back and forth on this pool, and uh, seeing seeing folks and uh, having a good time for the most part. But uh, we like to help our loopers get through. Um, and see as much of the river system as they can and uh, find some of the beauty along the way and some of the very cool things there are to see up and down the river system. And for those who haven't gotten there yet, tell us exactly where Heritage Harbor is. So Heritage Harbor is on the Illinois River. It's at mile marker 242. And uh, the facility here, it's a marina resort community. Uh, we're about 140 slips right now, uh, all told, and we usually run pretty close to capacity. Uh, the marina is surrounded by uh, homes that are being built uh, as vacation rentals and things like that. Uh, the town of Ottawa is about a mile and a half down the road from us, and we typically do run courtesy cars uh, so that loopers can get into town to provision, to explore the town, to see the vibrant downtown that we have going on, uh, to visit all the different things in the area. Uh, from the Cub Scouting Museum, uh, Ottawa is the home of the founder of the Cub Scouts, or the Boy Scouts. Um, there was uh, the first Lincoln-Douglas debates was hosted here. Uh, Starved Rock State Park, which is the jewel of Illinois' park system, uh, is about a 10-minute drive away. It is just a fantastic place to visit. Lots to see and do there. So many. this is the time of year. Um, a lot of loopers have already kind of headed down the Illinois River, but a lot are still finishing up the Great Lakes, especially because there had been some weather on Lake Michigan that caused some delays for people. So a lot of people are just now kind of uh, finishing up their summer on the Great Lakes and heading through Chicago. Um, so if, if you could just tell them a little bit about what to expect um, for the travel between Chicago and Ottawa. So as loopers are coming out of the city, and uh, whether they take the uh, Chicago River or the Cal Sag, 
Uh, each each route has its virtues, uh, but as they come down through there, uh, they're getting their their welcome to the inland waterways, and uh, many of them will see their first barges and towboats ever. Um, and some of them they're they're bigger than they think, and some of them are uh, are just impressed with the efficiency that they can carry cargo. Uh, and they go through start going through the lock systems coming down the Illinois River. Uh, as they go through those locks, uh, most loopers will take first two uh, in one day, and then they'll end up spending the night on the uh, city wall in Joliet, uh, there at Bicentennial Park. Many loopers uh, will end up there. We've seen 12, 14, 16 boats uh, able to stay there and uh, get a quick view of, of Joliet. Uh, and then the second day, they tend to come down from the Joliet wall and do the second two locks uh, coming out of the Marseilles lock, which is the closest one to us. And, uh, and then stopping in for a visit. Uh, the river system, as they come down for folks that haven't been uh, introduced to it that far, uh, the navigational channel, they're going to have a nine-foot waterway that they know um, and areas that uh, they're going to see just natural beauty and areas that they're going to see kind of the industrial might of the heartland. So. Uh Usually, kind of the second day out of Chicago, they'd be coming through Ottawa, and you mentioned some of the things to, to see there. What's your absolute favorite thing that you would recommend loopers not miss while they're in Ottawa, whether it be you know, a, a, a historic site or an attraction or a restaurant? What, what are some of your absolute top things to do there? So the absolute best thing for loopers to see when they come out here is a visit to Starbrock State Park. Starbrock State Park sees over 5 million visitors annually. To get those kind of numbers, you usually have to go to a U.S. National Park. Uh, there are hiking trails, there are canyons, there are waterfalls. The place is simply gorgeous. The, uh, the lodge at Starved Rock uh, was built by the CCC back in the 30s uh, as part of the New Deal. It's just a fantastic place to visit and it is, it is the jewel of the area. Um, aside from that though, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the National Scouting Museum is in Ottawa. Uh, the founder of the Scouts was uh, W.B. Dubois. Uh, who is from Ottawa, and uh, we see Eagle Scouts and all kinds of folks, and just some interesting stuff there. Um, aside from that, uh, restaurants, um, you know, here at the marina we have the Red Dog Grill, but just in town um, is the Lone Buffalo, uh, which is a craft brewery. You can actually see the brewery in process, um, so craft beer being made right in front of you. Uh, there's another place called Allure, which is fantastic. They've got... Uh, and it's sushi, uh, but they've also got burgers for those that aren't into sushi. Uh, but the entire facility is surrounded by aquariums, uh, just, just a very neat and unique environment. Uh, the downtown of Ottawa is very much a, a walkable streetscape that's very reminiscent of, of pretty much any mid-Illinois town that would have been built in the 1860s. There's all kinds of wonderful little shops and things to see, uh, and it's just, it's just an interesting walkable area. Uh, and as I mentioned, uh, the, the first Lincoln-Douglas debate happened in downtown Ottawa. Uh, coincidentally, where I came from down at Alton is where the last Lincoln-Douglas debate took place. Uh, so I've got a little continuity between those. Uh, mm -hmm. But there's some fantastic murals downtown depicting Ottawa history, uh, starting all the way back from the town's founding through the Civil War and even the more current times. After leaving you, um, loopers have another few hundred miles to go before they get to Hoppies. Um, 
you know, by looper speed, that's probably five days, getting close to a week that they'll spend on the rest of the Illinois waterway. So let's start with kind of generals. Do you have some tips for cruising that area and what they can expect, um, what they should be on the lookout for, that sort of thing? So <laughs> for loopers going downriver, uh, the biggest thing to be aware of is just to, to know what their weather is going to be. Uh, major rains can change the attitude of the river, uh, but it's it's not as frightening as some people make it out to sea. Uh, I'm I'm a river guy, uh, have been on the Mississippi and Illinois rivers most of my life, and a, a half inch rain won't bother anybody's day. But if you see three inches of rain in the course of a day, then that that can change things a little bit. Um, so to know what the conditions are before you move out for the next day or two, it's a good idea to know what's coming, which is just wise boating anyway. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, when you're on the river system, you don't want to get too in love with the schedule. And I, I, I tease loopers from time to time uh, that if you wanted to live on a schedule, why did you get on the loop? It's just you're supposed <laughs> to be enjoying yourself and exploring uh, and seeing all the different things that are in the different areas. And you never know when you're going to find something that catches your attention uh, to make it interesting. Uh, after us, the locks get farther apart uh, and a bit easier to a bit easier to manage. Um, and as you the further you go south, the locks get bigger and their operation tends to be faster. Um, with the different towns and stops along the way, you'll find some lovely little small towns, um, some fantastic anchorages on the river behind islands with amazing views of the sunset uh, and some of the, the the wildlife that's around. Uh, very common to see the great American pelicans, bald eagles. Uh, to see some deer walking down the sides of the river and occasionally taking a swim across the river, which they do. Um, and as they pass down through these small towns, uh, there's just there's there's a lot of Americana to, to take in there. there. You've got these great little shops, these great little restaurants, the the interesting local history, uh, and then you get down to to the Peoria area. Uh, for loopers that are passing through there, draft is usually an issue that they need to think about. Uh, there are a couple of stops, uh, one before and then one towards the end of Peoria that can handle deeper draft boats. Uh, but if you draft more than four, Peoria is one that you need to plan a little bit carefully uh, so that you know where you can go to. If you're four foot or less, there's a handful of harbors down there that can handle loopers very simply. Uh, we all know about the National Quilt Museum uh, that's in Peoria. And uh, I, I tease that uh, that's really not my thing, but for a lot of folks it's interesting. The, the item in Peoria that I recommend above everything else is the Caterpillar plant tour. Uh, whether folks are used to seeing earth-moving equipment or maybe they've got Caterpillar engines in their boat, uh, it's just an interesting thing to see. There's a, a theater there uh, that seats about 40 people that they kind of show you the, the story of Caterpillar. But that theater, you're sitting in the dump bed of one of their largest dump trucks. Uh, so just that in and of itself is interesting to see. They've got simulators there that are fun to play with uh, and see what it's actually like to operate one of these pieces of, of yellow machinery. Uh, just just interesting and cool. Peoria has got, you know, there are larger towns, so you see, uh, you know, there's a casino there, there's a ton of restaurants that are great there, uh, resupply items and things like that. And then leaving Peoria, as they head south, there's some more great river anchorages, uh, there's a lovely harbor at Tall Timbers down in Havana, Illinois, and uh, some anchorages on the way down past the town of Campsville, and then heading down towards Grafton and Alton, which are also fantastic stops. Um, Grafton is, is they refer to themselves as the Key West of the Midwest. 
there's all these sandy islands, so both on the Illinois and just up the Mississippi. Boating is huge down there. It is. There are thousands of boats on that piece of water, and that's just where you're getting to the Mississippi and things really open up. Uh, and your, your river width is four times what it is on the Illinois River. Uh, so it, it changes the personality of the rivers there, and you pick up the extra current from the Mississippi. Uh, but it's, it's really just a fantastic view of the, of the heartland as you go through. Mm-hmm. So um, you mentioned, and of course it's always good boating, as you mentioned, to you know keep an eye on the weather. Um, and you mentioned that rainfall can have an impact on the conditions on the Illinois River, as with any waterway. Um, what are some of your favorite resources for local information on that? So for local information, uh, I, w- I will admit that I cheat. I have a network of spies that I talk to up and down the river mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> some other marina operators and some, some local folks that, uh, that I've known for many years that I, I keep up with on a day-to-day basis to see what their current conditions are uh, as they see them. As far as uh, keeping up with weather conditions, you know, everybody's got their favorite weather app um, that they use, and it's, it's really paying attention to that. And then the Advanced Hydrologic Prediction Service is offered by NOAA, and that shows river levels in different locations. They've got a series of gauges all up and down the river system. And they can be a little confusing for loopers to read because they want to know what the normal is. And because of the lock system on the river and because of the hydrology, there isn't really an obvious normal, and they don't post anything on there that says, oh, this is where we normally are. Uh, so it's really just watching what the trend is on that. Uh, you can see as the graph goes up or down, you can see what's happening there. If it's just laying flat, you can see if the river's changing. But then as you're planning to go to a place, uh, whether it be us here or somebody down in Peoria or further down even to Hoppies, um, is to, just to give them a call ahead and say, hey, I'm seeing that the gauge is this. What does that mean for you guys? And let them tell you that, okay, at, at say, elevation 419, we will have seven feet of water in this harbor. Oh, behind that island, uh, you know, when we're at normal, we've got nine feet of water there, but we're about a foot down from that normal. So that, that will help folks figure that out. Um, so I, I'd love to be able to use that, and it's something that's solid and reliable. Uh, the, the Corps of Engineers updates their predictions on that twice a day, so if the weather has done something interesting, uh, it makes it easier to reference and see what's, what's going to be coming up. Uh, the other thing I use is, is uh, the Corelox website, uh, which is corelox.army.mil, and that actually you can get a lock queue report so you can see what towboats are waiting for a lock uh, and what their wait time has been over the last 24 hours and longer. Uh, it doesn't, it's not a predictor, but it is a fantastic way to see what a particular lock is facing and to see what your time frame is going to look like once you arrive at that lock. Uh, there are rules of thumb on the Illinois River. Uh, towboats that are under eight barges typically can go through in one tranche, so they're just going to be a simple lockage. And when you see a towboat there, the rule of thumb is it's going to take an hour to an hour and 15 minutes normally to put through a towboat that way. If there's a towboat that has to be sectioned or split uh, because they have more than those eight barges, let's say they're carrying 15, they will actually bring the barge, the front end of the barge into the lock and they will separate off the barges at the front and then pass that out along the guide wall once it's done its lockage up or down. And then they'll bring the rest of the tow in, they'll lock that up or down and they have to remake them. 
The rule of thumb on that is when you see a barge with over eight tows, expect that it's going to take around two and a half hours to get through one of the 600-foot locks on the Illinois River. Um, so that's it's a it's a it's a guide, and sometimes they run a little long, sometimes they go a little faster, um, but it gives you an idea if you're looking at that what the wait time might be. Jeremy, that's that's great advice. What's typically the protocol in your experience? Um, because commercial traffic does take priority over recreational vessels. Um, how do the lockmasters on the Illinois deal with that if there's a large backup of commercial traffic? From your experience, are they usually try to be accommodating to fit some loopers in between? So most of the time, if they are quite busy and backed up with commercial traffic, the lockmasters will try to do something uh, to get the commercial traffic through. And whether that's uh, because they have an empty lock to cycle, they can, they can put loopers in there quickly uh, to, get them, to get them cycled, typically downriver. The, the lock system on the Illinois River is required to put that commercial traffic through. Um, and the, most of the lockmasters are very good about trying to be fair. Now, when they're trying to be fair and get people through, every now and then somebody will mention that, oh, after three lockages, they have to put pleasure traffic through. They really don't. That's not a rule. Uh, it's more of a, a polite guideline that they try to follow, but it won't always be adhered to, especially if they are seriously backed up. The, the lockmasters out here have got old infrastructure. Um, all of these locks that coming from Chicago down to LaGrange Lock were all built in the 30s and have far outlived their lifespans uh, or their expected lifespans. There is some funding uh, being explored right now for repairing and updating them a bit, but it won't make them as fast as the Mississippi River locks or as nice as the new Olmstead lock. Uh, it really is a structure or a struggle between the structure and the traffic that's coming to it. For loopers that are coming down, when they call a lock master to find out what the traffic is like, uh, they really should just have an expectation of knowing what the lockmaster is seeing at the moment. Uh, the the lockmaster doesn't have a crystal ball. He doesn't have a list of what towboats are going to be coming to him in the next day. They really only know about two hours away out what tows are coming to them. So they have an idea in that two-hour window, and they'll actually include that when you when you ask them, "What are you looking at right now? What do you have waiting right now?" They will they will tell you what they know. Uh, but they, they absolutely can't tell you what's going to come up the next day or even two hours after you've talked to them. So they can get surprised as well. Um, but like I say, most of the lockmasters have been very good. Uh, we've actually been working with the uh, Marseilles lock in particular and the Starved Rock lock uh, to help make sure that loopers get through smoothly because occasionally there can be significant delays. Yeah, and we certainly appreciate that. Um, we're going to take a quick break and play a message from one of our sponsors. Uh, when we do come back, Jeremy, though, I do want to continue this topic of the locks a little bit because we've started to uh, try and communicate with our members about a planned closure for 2020 that could have a yep. pretty serious impact on loopers and that whole waterway. Um, so we'll be back after a short break, and we'll fill everyone in on that a bit. A bit. Uh, be back in a moment. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by both the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob? Use them to plan your Great Loop cruise and learn about the places you can visit. In the cockpit, important navigation info is always ready at your side, plus marina listings, anchorages, services, and so much more. Each Skipper Bob and Waterway Guide is updated yearly. 
and waterwayguide.com and skipperbob.net keep you current with navigation alerts, cruising news, fuel prices, and special deals. With the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob at the helm, you'll always be on course. Order yours today at the AGLCA ship store at greatloop.org. Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob are proud sponsors at the Admiral level with AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Jeremy Fowler, who is the marina manager at Heritage Harbor. Uh, Jeremy, as you are well aware, um, the Corps has announced a planned closure of, I believe, six locks um, on the Illinois River, basically from Joliet to Beardstown for 2020. Um, And the months that they are needing to do this lock maintenance happen to be July through October. Again, that's 2020. Um, Probably the worst four months of the year that they could choose uh, from a looper perspective. Uh, Certainly the time when many loopers are wanting to get through that area. And, of course, AGLCA has been in touch with the Corps and spoke with with them about it. And um, there's very specific reasons, primarily weather, that they have to do it during those months. Um, So certainly something to look towards for the future and have to uh, plan around. Tell us a little bit about what Heritage Harbor uh, knows about the situation and what, how is that gonna, what's it going to mean for you? I mean, that could, could seriously limit the traffic that you'll see in 2020, I would assume. Yes, we've been, we've been talking with the Corps as well, and uh, the, the closures that they're expecting to do uh, will affect the Dresden Island, Marseille's Lock, Starved Rock Lock, Peoria Lock, LaGrange Lock, um, and they're, they're doing different levels of maintenance at different locks. Uh, the most uh, intensive one is going to be at the LaGrange lock, which is your last lock on the Illinois River. Uh, that is also the one that is in absolutely the worst state of repair. Um, so it's something that's it's long overdue. There's been millions of dollars of backlogged maintenance that they haven't done because of lack of funding. And it looks like they're going to be receiving that funding. Uh, they're going to be installing new lock gates. They're going to be upgrading uh, valving and different systems there to make the, the locks that they have more efficient, uh, but retaining the same sizes. As we've talked to them, uh, LaGrange lock absolutely will be the longest set of repairs, and that is the one uh, they're giving themselves a 120-day window to complete the work, and they've chosen their dates because they want to support the fall shipping season uh, for grain coming down the river. Uh, and that's that's part of why they're looking at that October end date, which can make things challenging, uh, especially because a lot of the city of Chicago marinas uh, start to go into wintertime mode uh, in mid-October, and uh, it's not, it's, the, the weather is not as forgiving uh, at that time of the year. Now, for Heritage Harbor, we are open all year. Uh, we do close on Thanksgiving and Christmas, but otherwise we're here every day and uh, it will seriously limit the the transient traffic, the visiting boats that we will see come through, whether they be loopers or folks coming from Peoria, Chicago, St. Louis, all the different things that we see. So that's something that we have to plan for and prepare for. Uh, But as the Corps does these repairs, they are anticipating reopening the locks as they complete their individual work. And while they cannot give us a hard date right now for when these will happen, uh, the Brandon Road lock uh, repairs should be a fairly short window, uh, and the same thing with Dresden and Marseilles. So we should see them open up. And if loopers are considering making the trip in 2020, 
what they should, what I would suggest that they consider uh, is places that they could wait out that part of the trip until the locks reopen. Uh, if they get the locks upriver from us open, of course, we will be able to take in a particular number, uh, which I can't give at the time because I don't know what my occupancy will be. But upriver from Marseilles, there is Springbrook Marina, um, and they would be able to handle boats until probably the beginning of November that we're not looking to be hauled out. Uh, but really between the city and uh, the pool between uh, Dresden Island and Marseilles, they, they are probably going to be the only harbor there that is open. Um, I have heard some loopers discuss the idea of doing the loop clockwise that year, uh, which fighting the river currents can be a challenge, uh, especially if you're coming up in the spring when rainfall can be a bit more unpredictable, not to mention you're going to burn a lot more fuel. Uh, it's not to say it's not doable, but some folks have been considering it. And then up and down the river between St. Louis uh, and here, there's, there's a fairly considerable amount of transient dockage available uh, that many of them could take advantage of. Uh, but really, the, the truth of the matter is just going to be as we get into those repairs and see them taking place, is going to be watching the timetable for when they're going to start opening different sections of the river up and understanding that uh, LaGrange Lock probably will not open until mid-October. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot to consider with it, uh, and there's, there's a lot of things that are dependent upon the weather. Like you say, the Corps of Engineers is choosing to do this all in one shot, uh, and I think as opposed to seeing individual lot closures over the course of four or five years, I think they really are making the smart play to get all these repairs done at once. Um, but as they complete these repairs, uh, I think what loopers should also consider the fact that the towboats are going to be waiting at the starting gate to haul their freight. So it's going to be very much a, a traffic jam uh, for probably a few weeks until they, uh, until they get the locks cleared of the, the excess number of towboats that are going to be trying to make the trip. So that's right. going to be interesting. Yeah, it's certainly going to be an interesting year. Um, yes, there are some loopers considering uh, going clockwise, which, you know, depending on the type of boat and how much fuel you're willing to burn and the weather, which is, of course, mm -hmm. unpredictable this far out, <laughs> it certainly is a possibility. Um, and that is great information. From what I have seen, and of course, all of this is still subject to change, but for the Brandon Road and Dresden Island locks, um, the schedule that the Corps put out does show that they would be closed during the day for m a good majority of that time and then opened at night. Now, obviously, that's not ideal for loopers, um, but if they can proceed and lock through um, just before it opens in the morning, I'm sorry, just before it closes in the morning for the, the maintenance or just after it closes, um, we've had that situation in past years with other locks um, where loopers were able to get through by doing it that way and that the um, lockmasters were very accommodating in trying to do that. Um, so as this progresses, we'll be looking at safe places for loopers to stop overnight if they are able to lock through, um, you know, just at dusk or at dawn before or after the maintenance begins for the day. Um, there will be, from what they've, the course, put out a 15-day complete closure um, for those two locks. 
So we're studying it. Um, Jeremy, you've got some great information, obviously, and we'll keep in touch with you since you're local to the area. Um, but we're working on what the best options will be for our members, and we'll certainly keep you posted about that. Um, any final thoughts before we wrap up for the day? So really, uh, I, I do want to mention, uh, since you're talking about those those partial closures, where they closures where they'd be able to get through, uh, yeah. in those pools between Brandon Road and Dresden, there are not a lot of great anchorages. Uh, but in the just after Brandon Roadlock, uh, there are uh, a pair of marinas there, uh, Big Basin Marina and Harborside Marina, which are both near Wilmington, Illinois, um, would be able to handle some vessels. And then after the Dresden Island Locks, uh, like I say, there would be Springbrook Marina. Um, so if if they if boaters find themselves in that situation, there are places they could get to to spend the night uh, and be secure. But as far as other final thoughts. Uh, it's been great to see the Luber class of, of 2018 as they come through. Uh, we've already hosted well over 100 boats here at Heritage Harbor uh, for this season, so it's been a lot of fun to get to see all the all the new faces coming in and enjoying their enjoying their trip around. Um, you know, it's something that uh, as Loopers set out, this is one of the the sections that I think a lot of people worry about, and I hope that we can take some of the mystery out of that and uh, and give them a good guide going south from here. That's perfect. Uh, Jeremy, we appreciate it, and thank you for those specifics um, for Dresden Island Lock. And that's exactly, we'll, we'll be calling you because that's exactly the type of advice um, or recommendations or possibilities that we're going to be putting together for members is, you know, if you can get through at this time, here's a potential stop. Um, so I know everyone's concerned about that. More to come on that. Um, Jeremy uh, Fowler with Heritage Harbor Marina, thank you again for joining us. We appreciate having you. And for our listeners, we will be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. <laughs>